Welcome to the Market Moment. Matt here with Lee and Eli. Mm-hmm. Good to have the gang back. Yeah, good. It's been it. We were talking about it. It's feel, I feel like it's been a long time since I've been on here. I was here on here the week of Thanksgiving, so it really hasn't been that long, but yeah. it feels like a while. Um, anything new? No. Don't, don't just, everybody talk at once. I spent, me and David went to a conference, I'll mention, in Boston this past weekend. That was my first time in Boston. Um, Haley tagged along with me, and we had fun. Yeah. I like Boston's a cool city. You know, this is it's it's a tiring time of year. I mean, work work is busy. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Christmas parties. You got things going on at church, mm-hmm. family stuff. I mean, it, it literally feels like you roll straight from Thanksgiving week, and you are waist deep yeah. in Christmas. Mary Grace and I were talking about that last night. We were heading home from small group, and I said, Mary Grace, I feel like the boat is just ahead of me, and I'm swimming with it. Yeah. everything I can to get to it, but I just can't catch up right now. Yeah, there's a lot. That's that's the good and the bad part of January is you gotta your schedule kind of starts to open back up a little bit, but then it's January and it, it's just not a good month. Right, <laughs> but, right. Um, but but it's it's fun. I mean, you got small kids. It's yeah. there. It's an exciting time. That's for how them. you define that fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'd use a different word. Yeah, um, but no, yeah. it is it is a good. It's an awesome time of year, obviously. Yeah, um, just just busy. Yeah, a lot Bo- going on. Boston was good. Boston was awesome. Yeah, we Paul Revere House was uh, a little underwhelming. Very, yeah, very cool. <laughs> yeah, but uh, mark it off the the checklist. Yeah, we won't we won't be going back. Uh, Boston we, is a Boston's a fun city. We walked around Harvard. I, I was actually texting Eli. I was like, hey, we're pretending like we're like super smart right now. Yeah, just walking around. Saw the stadium, which was super cool. It was built in 1903. <laughs> Haley's like, I feel like we're standing in front of the Coliseum. <laughs> I mean, it's like. <laughs> It feels it's old. so old. Yeah. And when was the Coliseum built? Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> a thousand years ago. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a good time. Boston, definitely a cool city. Go check it out if you've never been. It's when worth you, the trip. You listen to a speaker that uh, has written a book with Oprah. Yeah. Which, Arthur Brooks. Yeah. yeah d- go check Arthur Brooks out if you haven't heard of him before. He's a Harvard professor. Um, good, good guy. He, he, uh, I, I just really like the way he thinks. Mm-hmm. And um, he got into a lot about just happiness and emotion and how to deal with, you know, anxiety and just all the stresses and in how life that's and operating within your brain yeah. and different things that you can do. To yeah. It was really interesting. Yeah. Um, so I think his book that we got was called build the life you want. Yeah. Yeah. By yeah. Arthur Brooks. So go check that out. And as always, if you um, like the podcast, like the videos, go like subscribe. We really appreciate that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Give us a thumbs up, um, share it on your social media um, I don't have social media, so I don't know what all the cool kids are doing today, but yeah. whatever that looks like, go share I it. I have social media, and I still don't know what all the cool <laughs> kids are doing yeah. these days. Um, so we definitely appreciate that. So just wanted to jump in today. Got three topics we want to discuss. The first one is, I'll give you one guess, interest rates. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Powell pushes back interest rates. So Powell says, despite recent positive indicators, the Fed plans on keeping a restrictive policy until they're convinced inflation is solidly back at 2%. He also says talks of rate cuts are premature, but policy is well into restrictive territory, and the risk being um, between doing too much or too little on inflation are close to balance now. So he had mentioned that in his last meeting. He's kind of talking, you know, the same talk. Obviously, he has to be very careful in what he says because mm-hmm. it's just dissected. Mm-hmm. Um, thoughts on that? Um, I, I, a couple thoughts. Um I do think the talk of rate cuts are premature. Um, I, I, I'm going to 
Okay, let's we'll do this. Over under <laughs> next year of rate cuts. You if if anyone goes back and listens to my predictions, the, they won't hey, listen to any let's, more. Let's put it at three. I'll take the under. Three by the what? by the end of twenty twenty four. By the end of twenty four, how many rate cuts have occurred? Oh. Oh, I'm taking the under. Yeah. I you know, I think consensus maybe two. Um I don't think they begin before summer. Are you are you saying twenty five basis point cut yeah. is one yeah. cut? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if they start cutting fifty or seventy-five, then something's <laughs> gone wrong. Um, yeah, so that's everything that gets thrown out the window. Yeah, so I think that the talk is premature. I think that they are. So, what are you basing that off of? That saying that inflation gets to three percent and we cut to get to four. Hmm? What? Like, are you saying inflation's going to come down to three percent? So they're going to cut the rates from five and a quarter down to four and a quarter. No, I don't. I don't think that they cut at that point um but with the whole two percent you know that that's been their mantra for so long Mm -hmm. um last week i think maybe the week before um i believe it was james gorman uh, the outgoing ceo of of morgan stanley was quoted as um he he was given an interview you know and he believes that three percent could possibly be kind of the new normal that on inflation on inflation uh, a, an inflation rate of in the three percent so i if, mean if inflation's at three percent then where's the fed rate sitting i don't think they per i don't think the fed lowers prior to inflation being around three but i think that last okay. leg going from three to two i mean it's going to take take a while i mean we are still running pretty hot at what four and a half mm-hmm. so i mean i, I think it's uh-uh. coming down but i, I think mean we need real positive rates inflation can't mm-hmm. be a three and they're just like cutting Correct. through that they're and gonna, i don't think they need will to keep real positive rates for a while yeah. um so it, i was looking what is a what is a real positive rate? well just the the um the interest rate is higher than the rate of inflation mm-hmm. Right. And so we were at interest rates were called zero for a long time or mm-hmm. near zero. And inflation was low, but inflation wasn't so we're zero. At, we were at negative rates. Right. So we were at yeah. negative real rates for a long time, um, <clears throat> for a period of time. And so that's not I mean, that's not normal. Mm-hmm. That's not healthy. That's, there, you know, there are things that could get, kind of get out of whack with that. And so I think just having a, a real positive rate of return for a period of time is good. Now, the question comes into then comes into play of like, well, how much of a positive, right? right. Do you need a 2% real rate, 1%? Mm-hmm. And so just meaning, do they need to keep it 4, 4.5% if inflation is at 3? Or they can they come down at 3.5 if inflation is at 3? Um, I think the Fed is typically, the way I view it, they're late. They're late. Always. Increasing. They're going to be late decreasing. Um, so I'm kind of on the side of, in the camp that they'll, It'll be later than everyone's anticipating, just because that's what the Fed has historically mm-hmm. proven. You know, and if and, and for those that are waiting on Chairman Powell to come out and say we're done, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a while. Yeah. I don't. I don't think he's going to use those words because he's he wants to, you know, leave those cards on the table. Should something, should something. When the two percent, you know, you're talking about Gorman. He was Gorman, yeah. right? He was saying that that three percent may be the new normal. I was looking at this up. This is from University of Michigan. I haven't, I've never actually Googled or cert- researched this, but they said 2012 was when they officially set their target at two percent. Okay. So, 
the two percent's really not all. I mean, it's kind of a new thing. <laughs> yeah, it is in and of itself. And just so I think, say for them to say, "Hey, we're going to set it like two and a half or three, I don't know why they wouldn't do that yeah. in a lot of ways because it's like it's not like it's been two percent for the last hundred years, right? Right. right. So. Um, Interesting, interesting conversation. We'll I mean, see. Pr- I mean, prices are coming down, um, but are prices coming down? Or is let inflation? me back up. the The rate of inflation yeah. is coming down. Yeah, <laughs> even though the price of gas, gas and that's is what coming down. The gas is coming. I mean, gas hasn't increased. Where gas prices were this price? What like ten years ago? I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I paid two forty nine this morning. Yeah, I mean, it's gas is. There's nothing to complain about about where current gas prices are. Correct. Um, I think where people get frustrated is they hear it's like, well, inflation is coming down. It's like, well, things aren't cheaper. And that's getting into the point of prices aren't coming down. Inflation Mm -hmm. is slowing down. So quick side note, not even in our notes. What do you think is driving the price of gas down? I think that's such a manipulated, controlled. I heard that. I mean, mean, because if you think we've got Russia-Ukraine conflict, we have bombs flying in the Middle East. Mm Elon Musk. I mean, I but, but I just, seriously, I mean, what... It, what I heard, and I can't even remember where I heard it from, it was that America's production has increased, and I have no statistics to prove that yeah. whatsoever. I mean, you You're think it's Basically, we political? have no idea. You think it's political? Sure. I mean, I, that could be a part of it. I mean, we're going into election year. Yeah. Everything else is super freaking expensive. Yeah. And so if you're the Biden administration... What do people care about, right? Their pocketbook. Yeah. And what's one thing that you can maybe have a more direct impact on? Gas is, I would think, one of those. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that could anyway, definitely I just, be a part I just, of it. I find it interesting that as we go into an election year, yeah, the one thing that you can kind of control or the, the government can kind of control, mm-hmm. the price Well, I mean, if you're the oil. Biden administration, what are the, is, it would be the same if you're the Trump administration. Sure. Whoever you are. What are you going to want to happen going into election year? You're going to want gas prices to be normalized or down. Sure. You're going to want At this inflation. point, people are going to want eggs to be down. <laughs> You're going to want inflation to not be an issue or have a story to talk about there. Right. Um, yeah. Anyway, and, I had a client, I had a couple of clients last week ask me why I thought that the price of oil was so low, mm-hmm. relatively speaking, when everything else is off the charts. Yeah. Anyway, thought it was interesting. Um, Moody downgrades outlook on China. So downgraded China's credit rating outlook from a stable to negative. Moody's expects Beijing's support and possible bailouts for distressed local governments and state-owned enterprises to diminish China's fiscal, economic, and institutional strength. Mm-hmm. This is not surprising to me. I think, you know, I'm a believer in capitalism. I think anytime you get government too involved, which is obviously like yeah. the definition of China. Yeah. <laughs> Communism. <laughs> yeah. Then I think, you, you know, whatever you're doing is just not going to be sustainable. It's not going to work long term. It's going to implode. Mm-hmm. And so. The words know, that, that stand out to me are state-owned enterprises. Yeah, yeah. which is everything. <laughs> um, so I think, it, you know, China is a world power. They're huge. They're important you know economically their military pair all of those things are true mm-hmm. but the way that they're ran like things are going to have to change or they're going to have to get aggressive in certain ways to try to maintain that because communism just doesn't work i guess that's just kind of my take on that like so um if the government owns everything you know things aren't going to go well long term in yeah. my opinion i completely completely so, agree you know, and i don't think they're I don't think their economy has come out of COVID like ours has. 
Well, they haven't allowed it to. Well, correct. I mean, I, I, I think that I think COVID wrecked their economy. Yeah. And I just I don't mm-hmm. I don't think it's recovered or recovering like anybody thought it would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, we'll keep that short because that's not that interesting. Okay, Okay. so this is the big topic, um, or I say the big topic, a big event, you know, last week. In our world. In our world, in the investing world. (laughs) Charlie Munger passing away at the age of 99. So for those of you who don't know who Charlie Munger is, Charlie Munger was Warren Buffett's, um, you know, it's like Batman and Robin, right? Mm -hmm. If If Warren Buffett's Batman, Charlie Munger is Robin, his right-hand man, business partner for decades and decades, um, uh, you know, his best friend, I think, and he would tell you in a lot of ways. And so um, Charlie Munger, if you ever listen to, you know, the Berkshire um, annual meetings or sat in and read the transcripts, you know, he was always pretty entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, witty. A lot of, yeah, Extremely very witty, witty, very, very, very intelligent. Um so his partnership with Warren Buffett spanned more than 50 years. Buffett credits Munger with changing his investment strategy. Um, as Buffett originally started out buying struggling businesses at low prices and then transitioned to buying great businesses that are undervalued. So um, we're a podcast we all listened to. They were talking about, you know, had had Munger not been around, like Buffett wouldn't own Apple. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's like those are kind of examples of the impact that Munger had on Warren Buffett um, that really revolutionized and kind of evolved Warren Buffett's investment philosophy Mm -hmm. over time. Buffett said, has said the two never argued and that when they would differ, Munger would say, Warren, think it over and you'll agree with me because you're smart and I'm right. Yeah, (laughs) that's a a perfect case of his wit. Yeah. Yeah. If you, I remember I was... uh, I was flying back to the United States when they had their last shareholder meeting. And so I was sitting in the airport and it, it was like, it was an all day meeting. Mm-hmm. And so I watched it for a, a couple hours worth. And it was hilarious because uh, Warren Buffett would, would be nice to the people asking questions. He would answer in a very respectful way. And then Munger would come in and just bring the hammer yeah, and be like, short. frankly, that's just a horrible question. Yeah. <laughs> and and continue down the path of answering very frankly. Uh, so it's fun to see that it was almost like the yin and yang between Warren and Charlie. He's well, when he passed away last week, um, was it a week ago? Yeah, it was last Thursday, Friday, um, mm-hmm. Tuesday. I, you know, I saw on Twitter, I think it was um, X, that um, some of his famous quotes, and I sent them to my kids because so few of them had anything to do with investing. Mm-hmm. You know, they had to do with life and educating yourself. So advice. Here, here's a couple of them um, that I like. Spend each day trying to be a little wiser than you were when you woke up. That's, That's one. Um, in my whole life, I have known no wise people who didn't read all the time. None, mm-hmm. zero. Um, <laughs> this is, here's an investing one. The big money is not in the buying and selling, but in the waiting. Mm. Yeah, that's so yeah. Berkshire Hathaway yeah. is they wait, 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 and then they do something. And then um, there are worse situations than drowning in cash and sitting, sitting, sitting. I mean, that, that's their that's their mentality. I yeah. mean, I mean, like right now, you know, one of the things they talked about last week um, when the news broke that he passed away was they were really hoping to do one more really big deal before Munger's passing. Um, and, you know, now Warren's saying that 
he doesn't even know if it'll happen in his lifetime mm-hmm. um, that it may be passed on. But they're sitting on like eighty—I mean, like eighty billion dollars of cash. Yeah. So they were wanting to do something significant, and now they're saying that it may be in, during the next leadership before yeah. Berkshire does something really big. But anyway, very wise man. Um, you know, that just—you know—I think Warren Buffett spends three or four day, hours a day reading books. Yeah. You know, you might think that he's pouring over balance sheets and financial statements, mm-hmm. but he's reading. He just wanting to be smarter. Yeah. No, I think there's a lot of life lessons and definitely investment lessons we can learn. And I think patience from both Buffett and Munger is one of the big ones, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, is um, make wise, sound investments and then, you know, stick with them until that. Well, until your philosophy or your outlook on that changes. Patience. They they made the, the the statement pretty famous of you know they start buying when there's blood in the streets. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's true. It, they're extremely unemotional in all of their shareholder meetings. So patience paired with if you looked at their shareholder meetings and then you went and watched like someone on CNBC trying to make a point. It's the exact opposite. Yeah. Like everyone oh, yeah. that's trying to make a point and sell something, there were there huge animations. They're big. They're loud. And then there's Charlie and there's Warren Buffett. I mean, these are two guys that literally they've built their entire lives are based on publicly traded companies. You know, private companies too. Sure. But like, mm-hmm. um, they're a publicly traded company themselves. And I would say they're probably two of the biggest investors in the world, and they probably care the least about what's happening in the stock market. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like. And that's that's true. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's easy to say, and we talk about it a lot um, with clients, but it's even hard for us. I mean, there are a, lo- a majority of the time, like you shouldn't care what's happening today or this week, or um, it's really hard. But they just, you could just tell. I mean, yeah. it just didn't mm-hmm. matter. Like yeah. you ask them at ten thirty, hey, what, you know, what's the S and P trading at? And be like, I don't have a freaking clue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, it they're we lo- the. The industry lost to Icon, a for one. sure. A yeah. One. Yep. Any parting thoughts or words? I'm going to end with, you know, a couple Munger quotes. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. It's a busy time. Is it an exciting time? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot try, trying to fit a lot in before the end of the year. Yeah. So, you know, it's a lot going on. Lots going on with clients. You know, end of the year review sessions, planning sessions, RMD distributions, gearing up for next year, tax conversations. Um Exciting time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Let's have a um, good 2024. Absolutely. Right. Now's a good time to start getting jacked and setting goals. and Christmas shopping. For- you got my <laughs> wife informed me this morning, 20 days until Christmas. <laughs> I've bought a total of zero Christmas presents. Uh, Christmas is this. Matt's going, let's get jacked about setting good goals in yeah, 2024. I'm like, I'm like. <laughs> and, and Lee's like, Christmas shopping. <laughs> hey, three weeks from three weeks from today. Christmas is over. Think about that. Oh, it's depressing. Let's do it. it. it Slash kind of exciting. Um, <laughs> okay, couple Charlie Munger quotes to end on. No wise pilot, no matter how great his talent and experience, fails to use his checklist. And David, I can tell you, we've flown with, da- with David. Yep. I mean, a, a checklist, yep. right? He gets it. And David's flown how many thousands of yep. hours and times, and he gets in his, po- his plane he starts checking Myth- off, looking at everything, and it's it's a good reminder that <laughs> checklists are a good thing. Absolutely. Um, and then I really like this one a lot. 
Again, a Charlie Munger quote, acknowledging what you don't know is the dawning of wisdom. So I think I've always thought that, that someone mm-hmm. who's quick to admit what they don't know and that they know <laughs> a lot less than they don't, it, it's like, okay, I can trust this person. Yeah. Or there's, you know, they're speaking the truth, smart. So, um, well, as always, we appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. Um, go like and subscribe, and we'll see you guys next week. that the hosts of the show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only and nothing said in the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. Mach 1 Financial Group, LLC, Mach 1, is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Rogers, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Third-party ratings and recognitions are no guarantee of future investment success and do not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a higher level of performance or results. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client, nor are they representative of any one client's evaluation. All investment strategies have the potential for profit and loss, including the loss of principal. Actual account results may have been higher or lower than the results mentioned, depending on an individual's investment timing, cash movement, size of the account, and client restriction. Past performance is not indicative of future results. For full disclosures, please see mock-1financial.com disclosures.